Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman, and if you don't know me, I'm a survivor of narcissistic abuse in a queer relationship, and I'm here to validate and support others who are or have been in my shoes and to help spread awareness of what these kinds of relationships can look like. Obviously, I'm here for my queers, but everyone is welcome here. Today, I'm going to talk to you about about the day of my breakup with my abuser. I've done an episode um, on this on the podcast before. It's been a while and I just recently made some content about breaking up with an abuser, the fake breakup, what I call the no man's land where you're broken up but you still live together, you still have a kid together, you're still, you know, bills are intertwined, like everything is intertwined and you're kind of stuck but you're broken up and it's weird and what do you do and how do you get out of it? Um, and so I did some content on that on TikTok, pushed it over to Instagram, and now I'm going to go back and sort of like, now that I'm several months more removed from the situation, I'm kind of going to look back and see when I published that last one. Um, and hopefully it's different. So if you have already heard this, I apologize, but um, it seems to be something that people are very interested in because these breakups are definitely not like your average breakup. It's not something that you can just be like, it's over all right, let me pack my stuff. Let me go. Bye. It's a long drawn out abusive process. A lot of times leaving can be the most dangerous part of the relationship. And a lot of times when you leave or are in the process of leaving, there is separation abuse that starts to take place. So it can amp up. It can look different. They can pull in the flying monkeys. They can triangulate. They can do all this extra stuff. So Looks like January 26th, I did an episode called My Breakup with a Narcissist, as I go into detail about that. I haven't listened to that in a long time. I do not go back and re-listen to my podcast ever because I don't like the sound of my voice. I don't like to go back and listen to myself, and I also, I don't really like listening to this story. Also, I apologize that this room I'm in is so messy for those of you who are on the podcast. This is just kind of like, bed I'm sleeping in is over there. That's like the catch-all. So I'm visiting my mom still. Um, a lot of you, if you're like following my story, we are still in Indiana with my family. And yeah, I'm not super organized here. So let's dive in. For this episode, I'm going to focus on the actual quote unquote breakup when we actually had the breakup conversation and what happened that day, because I remember very vividly. And it was also just a very strange kind of thing that went down. Um, and we're going to dive into the whole fake breakup. I am going to plan on doing another episode next week or in a couple of weeks, it's going to be the process of the no man's land that I just mentioned, which is like, Hey, this is August to October of my life last year. And kind of some of the key moments on the timeline of getting away and going no contact with my abuser. So it was like August 29th, something like that late, late August. And I had previously written them a list of things that were lacking in our relationship. I had come across narcissism. I had come across the trauma bond, you know, there's a side-by-side -side comparison that I've talked about before, and I share a lot on my Instagram where it's like bullet points of each one. And I very quickly was like, 
none of the love um, ones are checked off and all of the trauma bond ones are checked off. And I was very honest with myself and I was very aware because I was already like obviously seeking out information on what was going on in my relationship. I was looking for answers and this just fit so well. It made so much sense. And of course, then I dove into researching narcissism much more and, you know, learning about more of the ins and outs of this. But anyway, I had written this list. I think I've actually read this list before. I don't know if I can find it quickly enough to, to go over it, but essentially it was like, um, you know, these are the things that our relationship is lacking. Is this something that we feel like we could ever fix? Um, you know, are these things that we could, could ever have because we've never had them? I actually pulled it up. It looks like I sent this on August 31st of 2021 to my abuser. I had written it several weeks beforehand and asked them to have a conversation with me around these things. You know, you think that a reasonable person would be able to say, or a self-aware person would say, you're right. I feel the same way. We are lacking these things. Or, you know, I feel like we have this and this, but you're right. We're lacking a lot of that. I don't know if we can get that. Things like that. Growth as a couple, healthy communication, a strong connection, love, affection, support, interest in each other's goals, passions, careers, consistency, spontaneity, fun, laughter, safety, trust, vulnerability, overall sustained happiness, relationship, satisfaction. Of course, because I wrote the list, I look like the problem. I look the one, like the one who's not happy, who's never happy, who's always bringing up like these conversations and like having issues and things like that, right? When in reality, I'm just like, hey, <laughs> this is what's going on here. I'm not happy. You must not be happy too. Cause at this point I don't realize that this person is, is abusive. I'm just thinking we're both toxic. We have this horrible relationship. How do I get out of here? So finally, after like I had, you know, mentioned that I had written this list and had been asking for a one-on-one -on -one conversation, like outside the home, because my son was there and I didn't want to have, I knew it would turn into an argument. And so we finally went and we sat down, um, a few days before I sent this email and, you know, we sit down and sit across from each other. We're on like this rooftop bar and we're like, oh, you know, it should have been a nice date if we had a nice relationship. Um, and they were just like small talk, small talk, like, um, talking about like the new job they were going to start and just different things like that. And in my brain, I'm like, I know that like, this is my partner and I should care about this, but like, why are they doing like, what is going on here? Like we have none of these things on the list that I like, how am I supposed to, I don't understand. And so like, I just like listened for a little while. I'm just like sipping my drink. Just like, this is a, they're avoiding the conversation. Like, am I, what, am I supposed to just like forget that that's why we're here? I don't know. So finally I'm like, Hey, do you want to talk about the state of our relationship? Do you want to like, look at this list with me and have a conversation about it? And they just looked at me and go, well, let's just break up. Let's just break up. And I said, and one of the videos, one of the TikToks that I've made in this little series about breaking up was the fake breakup, which is like, you know, um, you bring up something serious, you bring up an issue in the relationship and one of their ways of cutting you off or stonewalling you, controlling the conversation, manipulating you is to say, let's just break up. Okay. I'm done. I'm leaving. Shutting you off, shutting you down, um, and leaving the conversation at that. The goal is to, again, shut you down or to get you to change your mind, to panic. That fear of abandonment can kick in if you have that. And you can say, no, look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. We can talk about it later. Maybe I'm overreacting and they turn it on you. So now again, you're the bad guy. 
You're like the needy one. You're the one who can't seem to be happy. They're happy. They're fine. Everything's going well. Why are you so miserable? And in the past, that worked a lot. Whenever they would do that whole switcheroo, I would like several times, like I would cry. I would apologize. You know, they would turn it on me. Like, why do you always want out of this relationship? Do you want to be with someone else? What's going on? I would cry and say, no, I want these things with you. I want this happiness with you. I remember vividly sitting on the couch, having this conversation and crying and saying, no, I want this with you. I just don't understand why it's not happening. And so this time, um, by now I'm armed with information from Lee Hammock at Mental Healness. I'm armed with information from Lisa Sunny from Stronger Than Before. I've got the Trauma Bond Recovery Journal from Lisa Sunny on order from Amazon. Like I'm starting to like gear up to accept what's going on. I have the terminology associated with narcissism and their tactics like flying monkey, gray rocking, um, you know, supply, all of this stuff. I've got it in the back of my mind. It's still not in the forefront. I'm still not fully aware of what's going on. I've never said the word abuse. I'm still convinced that I'm toxic, that I'm the, the one that's just causing all these problems, but like it's back there and it's kind of like, mm -hmm. so I calmly, I'm just like, okay, I start crying. Like little tears are just like streaming down my face, but I'm super calm. And I said, Hey, would you mind, you know, take the bill. I'll pay you back for my part. I'm just going to walk out because I am crying and I just, I need to, I need to get out of here. But you know, I agreed. I was like, okay, let's break up. And so we meet outside at our bikes. We had ridden our bikes there. And I said, I'm not ready to go home yet. And they're like, well, your kid's dad is there. Um, my son's dad was there playing with the kiddo so that we could go on this quote unquote date. And they're like, I don't want to go home without you. Cause he's going to think it's weird. He's going to think we broke up. He's going to think, and I'm like, well, that is what happened. Um, but just go home and act normal and tell him that I wanted to ride my bike some more and we'll worry about like logistics later. I'll just be home in a little bit. So I went and sat somewhere by myself, cried, just sat there for probably an hour because I needed to work up the courage to like go home and like see other people and like try to figure out what's next. And probably to be honest, to try to, you know, act normal because I didn't want my son's dad to ask questions. I didn't want him to see me coming home like this because at this point I'm still protecting my abuser. Um, you know, we had had so many... <clears throat> fake breakups, um, including the ones from me. And again, I do have a TikTok video about that, that I just published, which is like the difference between their fake breakup and our fake breakup. The abuser's fake breakup is a stonewalling, controlling, manipulating tactic to shut you down. The victim's is a cry for help. A, I genuinely need to get out of this relationship, but I don't understand what's going on. I'm miserable. You know, a genuine conversation to try to end the relationship, which then gets shut down. So it does look like it can look like you're crazy. You're constantly trying to leave. You're constantly trying to break up because you are trying to figure a way out. It's not to shut them down. It's not to be abusive. Um, two very different things. But anyway, you've got this two and a half year or this 10 year relationship where there's a lot of fake breaking up going on. There's a lot of it's over. Wait, we're going to sleep together at this, you know, tonight at the end of the day, we're going to wake up tomorrow and act like it's fine. It is super toxic, right? It's a horrible cycle to be stuck in. So anyway, um, when I finally went home and the three of them were there, my son, my son's dad, my abuser, I've, we've just broken up. And then we had an 18 year old girl staying with us for a while because she was having issues with her parents and I felt bad for her. And I was like, you can stay with us for a little bit while you figure out where you're going to live. And so I stayed inside <clears throat> and I was sitting inside with her and they were just outside. They had a fire, which was normal. I co-parent closely with my son. So it was normal for like all of us to hang out together and things like that. 
and I ended up hearing like my abuser was like asking him questions about like why is he closed off like he's avoidant he's not super open like emotionally available and things like that and it was like they were trying to bond with him over like childhood trauma and like why they were closed off and then they were saying things like my abuser was saying things to him like I just feel like in relationships, like I give as much as I can, but then I end up dating people who just like need so much, like need so much more than I can give. Trying to relate to my son's dad to where he would say, oh yeah, like I was with Lindsay too. And like, it did seem like she always was wanting more and I couldn't make her happy and things like that. Because of course I was looking for connection or thought I was looking for connection and he's, he's closed off. And, um, that was probably very hard for him because he didn't realize like, I don't want to talk about my son's dad. Like we got married. We didn't know each other very well. I had certain ideas of relationship. He had certain ideas of relationship. It wasn't abusive. There was just not a lot of connection. And so like, they're basically trying to triangulate and get him to side with them, to pity with them and things like that. They said something like, yeah, I haven't found the one yet, which is very rude because like they're sitting there with like my son's dad, my ex-husband, like, you know, so this person that I, I am dating after you who I'm like living with, who I've been like with your son isn't the one for me. So, you know, sorry about that. Sorry that, you know, we went through all this Poor me Poor you know, whatever. It was just the weirdest thing. And I didn't realize until afterwards that it was like, you know, triangulation and things like that. And so after a little bit, I get like raging mad and I'm like, I can't like the audacity, like I'm starting to understand what's happening, that they're trying to pin him, you know, like we're on a team together. Lindsay's the bad one. Lindsay's the needy one. She wants too much. She's always this. She's always that. And he, of course, is like innocently sitting here just like, oh, they're trying to connect with me. They don't usually like, you know, usually we only talk about like the kiddo airplanes, military stuff, like whatever. He's just going along with it. Probably like, why isn't Lindsay coming outside? Because usually Lindsay's outside. I'm the social one. I'm the social one out of all of us. And so I finally, and like the, the girl who's staying with me is like, we're both like leaning, like listening to the window, like what the, what is going on? Like, what are they saying? Like what? Cause this girl has witnessed a lot and said things to me like, you know, they're not even trying in this relationship. I can see, I can understand why you feel this way. Like noticing things. Cause they're just like in our house, like watching these, like, you know, not, I don't, I don't want to say like super abusive, less abusive, but like not obvious in your face abuse, but just things that like wouldn't sit well with anybody. And this girl's like, I don't know, like, why are they like, like what? And like saying things like, yeah, you deserve better. And, you know, I would ask things like, because they would use my dog as a way to abuse me and say that it was their dog and things like that. And I would say, is Pip mine? Am I crazy? Like when I leave, like, do I take Pip? Cause I already know that I'm going to work my way out of it. I just don't understand how yet. And again, when I talk about the timeline, there's two months left before I'm actually gone no contact and she's like yeah pip is yours like you're home you paid for her you took care of her like yeah they're here too but like that's not how it works like if it's someone's dog you keep the dog you don't like take someone you know like things like that and so we were like what the hell so i go and i open the door and i'm crying because i'm raging mad at like these two people are talking about me like i'm not here and like my kid's right here though he doesn't understand because they're kind of talking about other it's like you know like ambiguous like enigmatic, whatever. And I'm like, this is not appropriate conversation. I'm like, we just broke up and you're talking to my ex-husband about me. Like I'm not here. Like I'm the bad guy, blah, blah, blah. And you can see this look of like horrified, like what? And like almost like embarrassed, like ashamed that he was like partaking in this conversation without understanding what's going on. And my abuser's just like, 
so calm. Doesn't say anything. Just like, you know, whatever. So I go in the room and I'm crying and I'm bawling and I am like in there by myself. My kid's fine. He has no idea what's going on. He's just outside playing like in the nature, like doing his thing. And I remove myself because I don't want him to see me like crying and angry and I don't want to have a discussion. I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to go outside and be like, let's talk about this right now, you know? So who comes in to comfort me? My son's dad, who I haven't been with as a partner for three years, but actually has empathy and understanding and is again, like embarrassed and like apologetic and all that stuff. He comes in and he sits down next to me and he's like, I'm really sorry. I didn't know you guys broke up. Now that I know this, this feels very inappropriate. I didn't know what, like, I didn't understand and like was hugging me and like, do you need anything? And looking back, I'm sure he was kind of like hoping that I would pack up and leave and be like, Hey, you know, I don't want to live with you forever, but at least this is a safer option. And of course I didn't because I was afraid. I didn't know what was going to go on. And I was always so afraid to like say anything to him because my abuser had so much hatred towards him. We had so much arguments about him over two and a half years. It was always something whether he was doing too much or not enough or how he looked or how he dressed or how he acted or what he did with my kid. It was always a problem with him. There was so much hatred towards him. So he ended up coming back in one more time. Like he went back outside, wrapped things up, came back in, you know, apologized again and left. And, um, so like I ended up sleeping in the other room. I ended up, you know, not talking to them. They didn't say one word to me. Uh, if I remember correctly, they ended up like staying up late. Like they would do this thing where like, if I was sad or mad or like, you know, like where you would normally have a conversation with someone, they would turn on Netflix, they would pour themselves a couple of drinks and they would stay in the living room and they would just act like nothing happened and just like sit alone, which is very, very common for narcissistic, psychopathic, sociopathic. I don't remember which is which in terms of like, they have like Kimberly Weeks. Uh, if you follow her, she has a video on TikTok. It's probably pretty buried now where it's like the difference between crying in front of each one. And I don't know which is which, but like the reactions can be anger, um, indifference, taunting. They each have their own like reaction, but it's very common for someone to just completely ignore you when they know that you're upset. They should know that they've done something wrong, but they don't, they don't feel like they've done anything wrong. Like you're the problem. And so, <clears throat> you know, the next morning I wake up and I'm gray rocking now. I know that I have to be the one. I have to make the changes in the relationship. I have to pull back. I have to start looking for living options. I have to find a way to like keep my son safe and protected from what's going on in the tension and things like that. But I'm seriously overwhelmed. Like, how do you get out of these kinds of situations? Knowing that in the past, when I've tried to break up with them, I have been gaslighted, manipulated, physically prevented from leaving. So trigger warning here. I'm going to just name a couple of things, but like shutting my leg in the door when I'm halfway out of it, um, tackling me, holding me down, preventing me from leaving, things like that. So now like you have this awareness of what's going on. It's, it's dawned on you. You know that you're the one who has to leave. They're not going to leave. They're not going to say, oh, you live here with your son. Let me find another option. That way you can take your time. Let me like bow out gracefully. It's going to be a quote unquote knockdown drag out. Hopefully not because obviously physical abuse is very real in these kinds of relationships, but like to me, a long drawn out process. So you know, next morning I wake up, I'm quiet. I'm not reacting. I am like a little low power mode robot walking around the house, doing things, you know, whatever. And they wait until I am kind of cornered. So I'm in the shower and they come in 
and they're saying, why are you doing this? You're excluding me from the family. You're making me feel bad. I'm being hurt by this. You're hurting me. Why are you doing this? And I'm, of course, just, you know, small responses, neutral responses, nothing that they can react to, hopefully nothing that I'm going to be giving a reaction to. And I'm just saying, we broke up. I'm just, we broke up. I don't have anything to talk about right now. And they're going on and on. You're hurting me. I didn't mean it. Um, I, you know, I didn't mean it. I was just upset. I don't really, we're not broken up. We're not broken up. We're not broken up. Um, and so that was more or less the day we broke up. They were using it as an abuse tactic to, again, scare me into that fear of abandonment mode where I'm now groveling and asking them for forgiveness to control the conversation, to make sure that they're not actually being held accountable for anything, which again, I believe Maybe you don't agree with me, but I believe that I was coming at it from a, you know, hope like this is two people in the relationship. These are the things we don't have as a couple. It's not like, well, you do this. You don't talk to me. You don't do that. I'm not happy because of you, blah, blah, blah. I did not do that because that doesn't get anyone anywhere. And of course, you know, even in the most toxic relationship where there's a very clear power dynamic, I also wasn't, you know, like you could make a list about me too, because when you're in an abusive relationship, odds are you're going to be pretty toxic too, because it bleeds onto you. The poison is so strong that it's affecting everyone around them. Right. And so, you know, I was trying to come at it from this, like as neutral as possible, because you know how an abuser is going to react when there's anything that, and, and even that way, even if you're neutral and saying it's us, or I'll take my, you know, this is what I did or didn't do in the relationship. They're still going to twist it and say, you're blaming everything on me. I can't do anything right. I'm just so bad. If you're a lot of times I would get, go back to your husband then. Go back to him if I'm so bad. And I'm like, I'm a lesbian and I just came out and I'm not going back that way. And he has no feelings for me anymore. And I have like, we've, you know, healed all that. Like, why is this always a thing that comes up? But anyway, my point is that Breaking up with an abuser a lot of times is not an actual breakup in their eyes. You know, if they don't have new supply lined up, they're going to do whatever they can to keep you around. My abuser didn't realize that at this point I was taking it seriously. I was starting to make plans, which again, I will share with you in the next episode. I will try to go into like a very detailed, like what my thought process was, who I was reaching out to, what plans I was making how I actually, um, got away physically, how I actually went no contact, what they did to try to like break my no contact or like hoovering attempts and things like that. Um, because I feel like it's very important. I hope it's very validating to the people who have been through these kinds of breakups because you feel crazy and other people look at you like, why did it take you two months or nine months or five years to actually break up when all this stuff was happening? And you know, the reality is that these breakups are not quick. They're not easy. They're not clean and dry. They're not good. And like, again, I am very lucky that I had no legal, the only legal thing that we had together was a lease. And lucky for me, the landlord was aware of what was going on, sort of looked out for me and kept me protected to help make that process more easy and easier. Um, and, uh, but if you're in it and you have a lot of legal issues with them, you have kids with them, it can be drawn out even more. So don't compare yourself to me if you're in that situation, because again, it was much easier for me. I did have a lot of help from family and friends offering me places to stay, um, taking my dogs, helping me clear out my house and things like that so that I didn't have to have any contact with them. Um, so apples and oranges, if you are legally bound to them and there's a lot more hoops you have to jump through the, to get out, 
they still have access to you. They're still actively abusing you because again, that separation abuse can be worse than what you ever experienced while you were in it. And also is one reason why a lot of people end up staying because it seems easier to stay than to try to sort all that out. So again, um, I just want this to be sort of a relatable, validating type thing to hear because you're not alone if you've been there. Thank you so much for watching this or listening to this episode for my podcasters. I appreciate all of you. I want to remind you that if you did like this episode on YouTube, um, you know, subscribe, um, rate, review, all the stuff. Same with the podcast, please rate review because, um, and share if you want to. Um, I really want to get this information into the ears of the people who need it the most and all of your interactions and ratings and things like that really do help to get the word out there. Um, and if you need or want more from me, you can find me at the Lindsay Goodman on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. I'm the Lens Goodman on Twitter. Um, I'm not super active on there, but I am trying to get all this stuff um, ramped up. So follow me where you want to follow me, interact with me how you want to. And um, yeah, I'm here to help if you need it. I'm also about to be certified as a trauma recovery coach. So if you're watching this and you're like, dang, I feel like this is the person that I need to kind of walk me through some of this stuff. DM me on Instagram or email me, give me your email to get on the wait list so that as soon as I'm certified, we can get to work. Um, I know how hard it is to recover from these types of relationships and it doesn't have to be in an abusive relationship. It can be parents, it can be siblings, it can be whoever. So if that sounds like something you might need, reach out to me and we will get that set up as soon as possible. Thank you all so much. And I will see you next week with more.